The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to Christ. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. For what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. It was the end of a trying and difficult day not too long ago. And uh, one of our children had threatened to run away. My wife and I were firm in our words that this wouldn't be safe and we would never let this happen. We love you and will keep you safe always. Later that evening, we were reminiscing about times in our lives when we had felt so misunderstood and angry at our parents that we decided we were going to run away. And we chuckled to ourselves as we recalled that our parents, uh, rather than pleading with us to reconsider our course of action and stay or saying that we're not going to let that happen and so forth, how they calmly encouraged us to pack our bags. <laughs> I should point out that we were older then than our children are now. <laughs> How understandable that action, course of action seems now on two levels. One is, of course, our parents wanted us to go away <laughs> and give them some peace and quiet. But, of course, the second and deeper level is that they deeply wanted us to stay. And they knew the power of reverse psychology in achieving that end. By contrast, there is uh, the mother rabbit in the classic children's book, The Runaway Bunny. Some of you probably have that book in your house and you've read it to your children or grandchildren or maybe even have had it read to you uh, when you were a child. You recall the story, a little bunny uh, wants to run away. And he comes up with all sorts of imaginative schemes for getting away to test the tenacity of his mother's resolve. To, to remain in contact with him. And she meets every test without fail until finally the little bunny gives up and says, well, I guess I might as well stay home. And uh, his mother says, that's right, and offers him a carrot. 
All this is to say that the God of our lessons this morning, the God of the Gospel, is determined, determined to remain in relationship with the people that God created, whether we wander away, whether we run away, or whether we're just lost. And I have to say, I think we have to face it, I think we are lost. Despite our many technological and humanitarian achievements, as a species, I think we're lost. Lost amid the hatred that we have for one another, lost amid environmental degradation that we visit upon the planet. This past week, no doubt you know, of course, how could you not know, that we commemorated the uh, anniversary of 9-11, and some of you may have listened to the congressional hearings about the war on the radio. And for me, these two events raised up all kinds of geopolitical questions, and I couldn't help but feel as a nation that we're lost. Our economic and social priorities are all out of whack, despite the good that many individuals and groups work for. And the recent publication of Mother Teresa's letters, surely you've heard about those and maybe even have had a chance to read some of them. When Mother Teresa writes of hopelessness, I sort of wonder what's the point? As individuals, we're often lost, lost in self-interest and egoism, chasing after things that don't matter. As our confession says, we haven't loved God or our neighbors. Or perhaps we're lost in chasing things that do matter, but that seem to elude us. Contentment in our homes or in our relationships, contentment in a job or success in a good cause that is important to us and to the world. We're lost. In the first lesson today, God demonstrates God's passion for the lost children of Israel. They're wandering in the wilderness trying to get to the promised land. Remember in this part of the Exodus story, Moses is up on the mountain having a little chat with God and God sees the Israelites getting skittish and nervous about Moses' absence and they temporarily lose their minds, forget their history and take steps to put another God in God's place. And God's reaction may seem, well, not very godlike to us in his uh, desire to burn the rebellious Israelites to a crisp. Only Moses' pleas on behalf of his Israelite brothers and sisters changes God's mind. As I say, God's reaction to the Israelites' idolatry may not seem like the kind of reaction we'd like to see from God. It may remind us too much of an abusive parent, the anger of an abusive parent, and that's not to be minimized. But I want to focus on the love that is beneath the apparent anger. I imagine there are at least a few parents here among us, or grandparents, or people who work closely with children who can identify with the God of this passage. In a moment of rebellion, a child drives us to the brink of an insanity. How many times have I told you not to fill in the blank? 
And of course, we're not making rules just for the sake of making rules. We're making them because we want our children to be safe and happy and whole. God's love is beneath the anger and the desire to remain in close contact with the creation. In fact, it's often in this rebelliousness that God's love breaks through most clearly. In Paul's testimony today, in the letter that he wrote to Timothy, he tells the story, which he tells a number of times throughout his letters and in other parts of the New Testament, of precisely that moment when he was most rebellious, when he was most murderous, literally murderous. That is when God was able to break through to him was able to reconnect, to connect with him. At that moment when he was the foremost among sinners, he calls himself. Paul's ego breaking through there. Of course, he's the foremost sinner. It's at that moment that God is really able and desires most, desires most to be in contact with him so that Paul knows that he is loved by God. And in the Gospel lesson today, we see even more clearly God's desire to be connected with us. Jesus uses the parable of the lost sheep to illustrate God's passion for those who know themselves to be lost and broken. The context for the telling of the parable of the lost sheep is some sort of gathering where Jesus, as usual, is hanging out with the undesirables and the, the uh, fringe folks of society. And, uh, as we've come to expect in the Gospels, the arbiters of the religious and social order of the day, the uh, Pharisees and the scribes, grumble and murmur about Jesus' bad habits and who he likes to eat with. And in response to this grumbling, Jesus has this to say. Which one of you wouldn't leave a flock of a hundred sheep to go chasing after one of them that had gone astray, gotten separated from the rest? Well, if you're like me, when I really look at this parable, I thought to myself, well, I'm not sure I would. I don't think any of the Pharisees probably would or scribes. I mean, it's preposterous. Think about it. You've got a hundred sheep. You miss one of them. There's still 99 others. One out of a hundred, that's only one percent. I mean, think if you've got, you got a 99 on a test, that's nearly perfect. What's to argue with that? Let it go. But that's not the God-inspired response. God says, I would leave that huge flock behind, those who are not lost or think they're not lost, don't realize they're lost, to find the one that knows it has lost its way. And not only that, I'm going to bring that little sheep home, the little one that you all would just as soon have left, and I'm going to have a big party. And I'm going to celebrate with anyone and everyone who will join me in rejoicing over this found sheep. Or consider the other story in today's gospel passage. That of a woman who loses one of her coins and turns the house upside down to find it. This story is found only in Luke and it's consistent with his emphasis on uh, material possessions and, and uh, issues of money and also uh, consistent with his concern with women and their place in the early church. There are two ways to look at the value of the money in question here. The coin in question was a drachma 
which was roughly a day's wage for a laborer in the first century. Or, in, a lot of wor- in, in other words, not, not a lot of money. Or perhaps a lot of money. If you were a woman alone, a widow perhaps, or the wife of a common laborer trying to make ends meet in difficult circumstances. Anyway, the story tells of the great lengths that she goes to to find this coin. And what does she do when she finds it? Just like the shepherd did when he found the lost sheep, this woman wants to have a party. Her neighbors and friends, she invites them over to have a celebration about the recovery of this seemingly small sum of money. I mean, imagine something like this. Can you imagine someone calling you up and saying, Nick, listen. I found a couple of bucks and quarters under the cushions in my couch. I'm inviting the whole neighborhood over for filet mignon and dom perignon. Would you come? (laughs) God's desire to be with us is that powerful. It breaks kind of our common understanding of what's important, of what's worth it, of what's truly lovable. God's desire to be with us is that powerful. And the joy that God has in being with and for us surpasses what we can even imagine. In those moments when we realize ourselves to be lost, to be wandering, to be far away, it's precisely at those moments when God is most for us and in God's passion desires to be with us most fully. When we feel most unlovable, most lost, most far away. That is when God is most present. Thanks be to God. Amen.